Welcome to Centerpoint Church, where we're all about loving and leading people to a life-changing connection with Christ. We're so excited that you decided to join us today, and we believe that no matter where you're listening from, this message will enhance your connection with Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Wow, I feel like I should be swing dancing right now or something like that after that uh, great intro. Well, first of all, I just want to say that was Jim Harris's first time hosting, and he did a great job. Love you, buddy. It is very nice to have someone else finally up here besides me that has gray hair. So thank you for that, Jim. Um, And I just want to welcome you, those of you that were watching the World Cup, thanks for coming to church. Um, It's good to have you. What an incredible game that was. I won't give it away if you don't know, but it was pretty epic. Um, I do want to say that it is the Christmas season. There's, There's ways we can know it's the Christmas season, right? We see Christmas decorations, our schedules get busier, we're going from party to party. Um, shopping and all kinds of good stuff. I experienced one of my least favorite ways of knowing it was Christmas. It's the Christmas season this morning. Do you guys want to know what happened? I'll tell you what happened. I had to put on three shirts to find one that fit right. (laughs) And my belt, true story, I haven't had this happen in several months. My belt buckle had to go one wider today so that I am dealing with the effects of eating too much food too much Christmas sweets. Uh, Maybe you guys can relate, maybe you can't, but it is definitely the Christmas season. Um, I'm glad to be with you. My name's Rick and uh, one of the pastors here at Centerpoint, and uh, I'm grateful you're here. I'm going to be closing out our series today on frames, living generously. And we've been looking at uh, frames of Jesus' life, like picture frames, snapshot moments that, um, that represent Jesus's life and how we've learned from it. And, and uh, so today I'm going to be talking about leading generously through influence. So we've been in this great series about generosity. We often think of generosity as maybe something financial, but it's not just uh, being generous with your money. Generosity actually represents other things. And so I was looking up the definition of generosity this week, and I found these two great definitions that probably give a little greater perspective on what generosity is, and I love it. It said uh, in one dictionary, it's a willingness to give help and support, a willingness to give help and support. And then I love this other one, this other definition, a quality that's a lot like unselfishness. I love that. I love thinking of generosity in terms of giving help or showing support or being unselfish. And so as we look at leading generously, I want to look at it through the frame of influence. I think influence is something that's so important for us to stop and talk about, especially in this time period we live in right now. In fact, I have a question for you that I want you to think through with me over these next few minutes. And the question simply is this, what is influencing you? What is influencing you in your life right now? You know, without even realizing it, the world has done all kinds of things to influence us from uh, social media to news to the, the program when we watch on TV. Even when we go shopping, I was reminded of it this week. We went to TJ Maxx this week. And let me tell you, that place is dangerous. My wife and I, we gave ourselves a little pet talk led by me as we were getting out of the car. <laughs> we're only gonna buy that one thing that we came here for. Anybody else know this talk? Yeah, I see the head shaking. 
We're getting that one thing that we came here for. And so we went in and I was really impressed with my wife. I looked out of the corner of my eye and she went to that one thing that we came there for. I was looking at her out of the corner of my eye as I stopped to see this cool Star Wars thing that was on the table. And then next to it was this really cool game. And then there was a few other things that, oh, I could get this for my daughter. I broke my rule. My wife went to the register with one thing. I had seven things in my hand, you guys. They have that place rigged. It is, they influence me. Yes, I see my wife. She's doing the victory thing. Um, We left there with a lot more than what we intended to get. But I was influenced every step of the way. It was unfair. Um, See, the world designs everything around influence. How to create control, power, money. So I want to look at, as we answer this question, what is influencing you, there's really two ways that I think we should look at it. Are you being influenced by the world or by the word of God? The world versus the word. What is influencing your life greater? The world or the word? If we were to look at the world for just a minute, I would be missing something if I didn't say that one of the great influences in our lives is this device right here. This has so much influence over us. And we don't often stop to think about it. In fact, without even thinking, what do we usually do in the morning, right? Grab your phone. What do you do throughout the day? Grab your phone. What do you do when you don't like the messes in church? Grab your phone, let's see. No, I'm kidding, I'm totally kidding. Um, But this has so much sway in our lives, so much influence from social media to TV. In fact, I love the guy that was asked, what did you do during COVID? And he said, I watched Netflix. And he was asked, well, what show did you watch during Netflix? He said, I watched Netflix, all of Netflix. Maybe that's like some of us. We spend a lot of time watching things that have influence over us. In fact, movies are a powerful thing. And I remember someone telling me years ago that when you watch a movie, it's like watching a two-hour sermon from the world every time. It's preaching things into you. It's putting values in you. All the while, you don't even realize you're being influenced in a certain way. The news influences us. There is probably no worse way to end your day than looking at the news, and yet we do it all the time, and it has so much influence in our lives. Without even thinking about it, we're influenced every day by things that oppose the truth of God's word, and we don't even realize it. These values, these truths, these ideas, these thoughts get in us through the things that we take in, often from this device right here, and all of a sudden, we wonder why things creep into our heart, into our soul, into our minds that were never intended to be there. In fact, one day, we find ourselves standing in front of a mirror asking, who is this person that I'm looking at right now? What happened to my life? How did I get to this place? It's because without even knowing it, the world was influencing you and does influence us. And we're all in this boat together. 
Scripture reminds us that we are aliens and foreigners in this world, but yet we often act like this is heaven. That God has so much more in store for us. In fact, John 15, 19 says this, and we're going to be living between John 14 and 15 today if you brought your Bibles. John 15, 19 says, the world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But say this next part with me, but you are no longer part of the world. Jesus goes on to say, I choose you to come out of the world and that's why it hates you. Jesus was telling his disciples so many years ago and us today that you're not a part of this world if you're a follower of Christ. You were never intended to call this your eternal home. And yet, without us even being aware, we treat this as the final stop. We treat this as our destiny. And I heard someone once say this. It was a really good saying. They said, if you don't know Jesus, earth is the closest to heaven you'll ever get. But if you know Jesus, earth is the closest to hell you'll ever get. The truth of that statement is this ain't heaven. God's got something more in store for us. Are you living for eternity? So influenced by the world versus being influenced by the word. Are you in a season of life where you can genuinely say that nothing has greater influence in my life than Jesus? Man, if you are, I celebrate you. That's where we all want to be. In fact, sometimes we have seasons where we can say, it was a good season with me and God. I was in the word. I, I was involved in my church. I felt like life had purpose. And, and then sometimes we slip into seasons where we can't say that. My hope and prayer is that more and more in our lives, and I'm speaking to myself as much as you, we can say there's no greater influence in our life than Jesus. Romans 12, 2 says it like this. This is in the scripture hall of fame. I love this passage. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. That is a passage all about influence. Are you being influenced to conform to the patterns of the world or is God's influence transforming your life to know his will for you? See, this is about identity, identity through God's will. I want to talk about this for just a minute. We live in a time period where there's a lot of confusion around identity. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. And the confusion always comes in when our identity is based off of the influence of the world. Every time. Look at your life. You know it to be true. You sitting at home, you know it to be true. When the world has influence over you through social media, through friends, through addictions, other things, you know you're not living your best life. You know there's something off. There's something empty. There's something hollow. But for those of us that have had times in our life where we were fully surrendered to God's will, the sense of identity and purpose and calling was complete. Yeah, I think it was the Rolling Stones that saying, I can't get no satisfaction, right? Because <laughs> they were looking in the wrong place. You get it in knowing God's will and God's plan for your life. I remember I was at a fork in the road in my life, my freshman year in high school. 
our high school years for most of us are pretty formative years. And I was at a point in my life, my freshman year, where my identity could have gone one of two ways. And um, I did half of my freshman year at a high school in Orange County called Canyon High School in Anaheim. And um, I had been in private school my whole life until that year, pretty much my whole life. I had one year out of private school, but this was really my first time out of private school into the public school world. And man, I'm telling you, it was a unique, scary experience for me. And I thought, I need to find whoever the cool kids are and just start hanging out with them and copying them and I'll be cool too. And this will like give me a great identity. And so um, in, I found myself after a few weeks hanging out with these kids who cussed a lot and had uh, really foul mouths. And I really was never um, had a problem with that until I started hanging out with these kids. And I found after about a month or two of hanging out with them, man, I was like a walking rated R movie. <laughs> I was cussing up a storm. And one time it slipped at home and my mom gave me a date with the wooden spoon. Um, and I'm telling you, that got a hold of me. I'm like, I don't know if I want that again. Um, and um, so I tried to break away from the influence of my friends because I saw that it was making me into someone that I didn't want to become. Well, I got some help. I got some help from my parents. They ended up deciding we were going to move from Orange County to this place that no one knew about called Temecula, California, <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. Guys, I'm telling you, this was the Stone Ages here. There wasn't even a mall. Target in Temecula was still being built. There was a McDonald's off the 15 and Stater Brothers. That's all you could do. And, um, and so we moved to Temecula. And, um, I, and I started going to Temecula Valley High School. Anybody else go to Temecula Valley High School here? Golden Bears out there? I see the hands. Love you. Awesome. We'll start a club after service, okay? Um, and um, so I started going to Temecula Valley High School. And I decided, okay, how many kids their freshman year get two chances to actually feel like they're starting high school? And I felt like this was the second chance for me. So I started going to this club, this Christian club that I heard about called Student Venture. And, um, and before I knew it, after about a month or two of being in student venture, all of a sudden my identity was totally different. I started forging it around kids who love Jesus and they read the Bible and then I wanted to read the Bible and they didn't cuss. So I didn't cuss. And all of a sudden I became the person that I believed God was creating me to be in that season because of the influences in my life being aligned with God's word. See, what's influencing you? Is it the world or God's word? Would you join me in something this morning? And I want to encourage you to do this. You can do it now or you can do it later today. But I love for all of us to take inventory on what is influencing us in our life right now. And you can do this simply by just writing down what you believe are the top three things influencing you right now, currently in your life. What would you say are the top three things as you think about it, and you have to be honest for this to work. You're not sharing this with anybody except between you and the Lord. You can share it if you want, but what are the three things that, influencing, that are influencing you most right now? After you take this inventory, maybe you need to have a conversation with the Holy Spirit and ask him to help you make the necessary adjustments in your life to get back on track. Or maybe you take the inventory and you can celebrate where you're at that the greatest influences are aligned with God's word. But 
we all should stop for a minute and ask, what is influencing us so that we know where we're at? Is it the world or the word? This leads to another question. Second question I want to ask you this morning is, how are you influencing the world? How are you influencing the world around you? You know, the odds are that your influence is connected to what's influencing you. The stuff that comes in is the stuff that comes out, right? And so that's why it's important to first of all look at what's influencing me, and that usually helps determine how are we influencing others. Because at the end of the day, that's the legacy that we leave. That becomes the purpose of our life is how we choose to influence those around us. Your identity in Christ is connected to how you are called to have influence with the community in which he has placed you in. I want to bring it back to scripture for a moment as we talk about the frames, the life of Christ in Jesus and the influence that he had. We see in these picture frames as we read scripture, Jesus feeding the 5,000, Jesus walking on water, Jesus healing the sick. Jesus doing these incredible things that become these snapshot moments in his life that we look to and we admire as we read the word. But in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 12, Jesus, who had been through all of these moments with his 12 disciples, realized that there was more work to be done in terms of influence over them. And so in John chapter 14, we find this unique place in scripture. It's what's called the Last Supper Discourse. So John doesn't actually record the Last Supper, the meal, but he does record the discourse that took place after the Last Supper between Jesus and his disciples. And so we get these great snapshot moments, these frames of Jesus with his disciples in their final hours together. And I want to read from John chapter 14, verses 1 through 12. Don't let your hearts be troubled, Jesus is saying. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? See, Jesus is pointing them towards heaven. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Verse four, and you know the way to where I am going. Jesus was stopped in that moment by Thomas. And Thomas said, no, we don't know, Lord. Thomas went on to say, we have no idea where you are going. So how can we know what to say? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Pause for one minute right there. This verse right here is so critical in the time we live in right now. The world's influence would want you to believe that there are many ways to happiness. There are many pathways to God. There are many truths that are relevant. In fact, what has become one of my least favorite sayings, and I apologize if you like this saying, but it has become literally one of my least, I almost cringe when I hear it. It's like fingernails on a chalkboard is when I hear my truth. It's my truth. As if we're God's. As if we get to create truth. And I'll tell you, there's been times when I've crept into that category and I realized quickly, ah, no, I wasn't meant to talk about my truth. I'm meant to talk about the truth. 
See, because the truth says what Jesus said right here to his disciples and he's saying to us right here in this room right now. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Case closed. That's it right there, right there. Amen, yeah, that's what it's clapping for. He goes on to say in verse seven, if you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip then said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. I mean, this is kind of a humorous moment. I would imagine Jesus was like, I've just spent nearly three years with you guys. We've seen these incredible miracles. We fed 5,000 people together. I mean, healings. And they're still asking these questions, but I believe this is so relevant to us too. Because even if we've been in church all our lives or, or we've been on fire for Jesus recently, or we've been seeking the truth, we still ask these same questions. And it's okay. Jesus leaves room for these questions in our life. Because Jesus went on to reply, I have been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. And then Jesus says the most profound and incredible thing, and this is really the frame of influence that I want you to catch today. It is a hard verse for us to understand, but Jesus says to his disciples, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works. And in the NIV, it says greater things because I am going to be with the Father. Imagine that moment with Jesus after the Last Supper. And you hear Jesus say, you guys are gonna do greater things than me. You'd be like, what? How is that even possible? Okay, first of all, you're saying you're the son of God, okay? And, and you're, you're, you're talking about, you know, all of these things that don't necessarily make sense yet. And, and you're saying we're gonna do greater things than you. This is too hard for us to understand. I bet you as you hear that verse and you think about your life and you hear Jesus saying this, you're probably thinking something very similar. How can I possibly do greater things than Jesus? You see, Jesus is talking about a couple of things here, influence in the community in which you are in. I heard this term a couple years ago that I love called a person of peace. A person of peace. And what this is all about, it's about the fact that we are persons at peace when we're in a place in territory that God has given us favor. He's given us favor to influence people towards him. And I got to thinking about this and I thought, oh, this is really good. It reminds me of places of my wife and I. My wife and I have had this thing for many years now that Wherever we live, we end up finding one or two coffee shops that become like almost our second home. And in these coffee shops over the years, we've given Bibles to baristas, we've prayed with baristas, we've gotten to know people that sit at the tables who have become friends. Um, we've had a couple of moments where we've been able to lead some people to Christ. And 
you know, we don't always get it right. We're not like these perfect Christians. But I will tell you that we've realized that we're persons of peace in these coffee shops. And God's given us favor. It's territory he's given us. God's given you favor in certain places. Maybe you don't realize it or maybe you do. But God has a place. He has territory where you have influence, where you have favor, where you get to make a difference for his kingdom. And God wants you to be a person of peace in that place. The other thing that comes out of this, yes, thank you. Uh, (laughs) The other thing that comes out of this is when Jesus is saying there about greater things he has in store. So my third point this morning is God has greater things in store for you. He has greater things in store for you. I had somebody come running up to me after first service and he's like, man, greater things, that's awesome. Thank you so much. You reminded me that the best is yet to come. And I love that. Most of us, many of us have heard that before, but do we really believe it, that the best is yet to come? God will remind us here that he has greater things in store for you, greater things in store for you, for you, for you up there in the risers, for you watching at home right now, for you over in the chapel. God has greater things in store for you. Do you believe it? I love it. Amen. I love it in John 14, 12 in the NIV. I'm gonna read a different uh, translation here of that same verse. Jesus says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. You see, God's plan all along was to partner your gifts with the Holy Spirit for something the world cannot stop and that's building God's kingdom. The world can't stop it. They, you know, the devil thinks he can. The world thinks it can, but if there is one thing that can't be stopped, it's the expansion of the kingdom of God through his people, through his church. God has greater things that he wants to do. But do you believe that's true for you? Hmm. John says in or in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17, just a few verses later after Jesus says greater things, and his disciples were obviously perplexed, Jesus gives a clue. So you have areas of influence and territory God's given you, but Jesus gives the ultimate clue of what he really meant by greater things when he says, starting at verse 15, John 14, he says, if you love me, obey my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads in all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you and later will be in you. And what was meant there by later was referring to Acts chapter two on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came to these 12 disciples, or 11 at the time, disciples, The Holy Spirit came and it said that in that day in Jerusalem, 3,000 people were added to their number. That was the beginning of the church as we know it. And since then, millions and billions of people have been impacted by the church, by God's people, by the expansion of his kingdom. Greater things has unfolded. Jesus knew what he was talking about. He knew what he meant when he said, I have greater things in store for you. If you'll just trust the Holy Spirit in you and you align his gifts with the Holy Spirit, some incredible things will happen in your life. I think about it like the movie Finding Nemo. Anybody seen the movie Finding Nemo? 
I love it when Crush teaches Nemo, just get in the current and you'll take off. That's all you got to do. Just get in the current of the Holy Spirit and what God wants to do, and you'll go places. Greater things will happen in your life. And this is what Jesus is referring to. You see, our gifts in partnership with the Holy Spirit always equal greater things. God has something more he wants to do. He's building his kingdom. He's giving you influence. You were destined to do so much more. You were meant to be an influencer for God's kingdom. Do you believe that to be true? For something eternal. God didn't create you for something temporal. He didn't create you to make a social media empire or to have the most money or the coolest car. It is nice when we're blessed. It is very nice when we're blessed, but ultimately our destiny is something far greater than that. God has created you for something far greater, to be an influencer for his kingdom. We talk a lot about influencers these days. In fact, what I've learned is that on social media, there's about 14 to 18 key influencers that influence the whole world. Yeah. There's this core group of influencers on social media that have influence over everyone. Uh-uh. Last I checked, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. You see, the world may think these people have influence, but Jesus has greater influence. And you know how he has it? He has it through you. He has it through you because God's called you to do greater things. If you'll take your gifts, the things God's given you and align them with the Holy Spirit and be a person of peace, you'll see some incredible things happen. I have this quote here I wanna put up on the screen. And it's simply this, it's time for us to use our gifts for something greater than our own desires and comfortability. Man, I am the first one to admit being comfortable is nice. And I think it is absolutely a tactic and a ploy of the enemy to get us comfortable. If we're comfortable, we're never gonna wanna get off our couch. We're never gonna wanna get off our phones. We're never gonna wanna look people in the eye and be there in moments when they need us and wanna cry with us and, and wanna journey with them to a place where they finally find Christ and we can see comfortability never leads to that place. We've gotta get out of our comfortable places. We've gotta trust God that he has greater things he wants to do. We've gotta align our gifts with the Holy Spirit and see what God will do through us. You know, there's a saying about the church, and it's true, but we've lost our way. The, there's a saying that the church is the greatest hope in the world, and it is true. But we live in a time period right now where I actually believe the enemy is doing something to God's people. He wants us to give up. He wants us to think that the battle's too great. The world has gone too far. It's too dark. It's too this, and there's no hope. And so I'm just going to pack my bags and wait for Jesus to come back. But that's not the church that God is creating us to be. That God has something more for us. I believe, um, to borrow the quote of my good friend, the best is yet to come for us. That God has greater things for our church that he wants to do through us. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. What gifts and talents do you have that Jesus has given you? Maybe it's hospitality. Maybe it's leadership. Maybe it's care. Thank you, Jim, for your care. Although Jim has all of those things so far that I've read. Um, maybe it's humor. Okay, I'm going to stop here for just a minute, all right? Why can't we say dad jokes, people? Come on. Dad jokes. Come on, put a smile on people's face, right? It is so good. Dads, don't we love dad jokes? Come on, dads. We want to hear it. It's okay. 
It's okay to use our humor. So I'm going to give a couple right now, all right? Um, so did you, um, there's a good question going around right now. People want to know how much Santa paid for his sleigh. Do you guys know how much he paid for his sleigh? Nothing. It was on the house. What do you call a kid who doesn't believe in Santa Claus? A rebel without a clause. All right. There we go. See, come on. Good humor. Got a little larger laugh from first service, but that's okay. Um, so, but we have gifts. Maybe your gift is financial support. Maybe you're someone who, who God has given the gift to, to make money and earn money, and, and he wants you to support things. Maybe it's, it's writing. Maybe you have the gift of writing. You can write beautiful bo- novels or books or things that inspire people. Maybe it's teaching. Maybe it's creativity in the arts. We have our prophetic arts ministry here, and I love what they do. So good, right? Maybe God's given you the gift of arts. Maybe it's cooking. By the way, if you have the gift of cooking, I'd really love to be on the receiving end of that. Um, But just wait till after the first of the year. I don't want my belt buckle to get any. Um, Maybe it's coaching, but God's given us all gifts that he wants us to use. When we align our gifts with the Holy Spirit, something amazing begins to happen. We tap into that greater thing of influence that God was talking about. You see... You find your true identity in God's word and allow the Holy Spirit to empower you to be his witnesses in this world. See, Acts 1.8 talks about that, that we're empowered to be God's witnesses in our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. God wants to empower you to be an influencer for his kingdom. Last I checked, the world is dark and getting darker. Last I checked, there's a need for God's church. There's a need for you, for me to wake up from our slumber. There's a need for us not to buy the lie from the enemy anymore that the best is behind us. There's no hope. You can't make a difference. Look at the news. Look at this. Look at that. Just give up. Be comfortable. Stay in your home. Ah, the Lord is saying, wake up. And be the light that I created you to be. The world needs the light that you have to offer for God's glory by generously influencing those around you. Um, I used to work for Apple. And when I worked for Apple, I had a hard time finding my way at first as a Christian working in a very non-Christian environment. And one of the things that was hard at first was I was working with people that were very different than me, but it was so great for me to get out of, if you will, my bubble of comfortability to be with these people who became a mission field to me and friends. And, um, and so I found myself over the course of a few months, all of a sudden, I started making friends with people of a different faith. Um, I, uh, I made friends with an atheist who believed in aliens, uh, with a gal who um, came out as a homosexual and her family was in the process of disowning her. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't usually hang out with people. This is incredible. What do I do, Lord? Help me. I want to be a light. I want to be someone you can use to do greater things. And so I didn't get it right all the time, but I found my way. And I found my way through starting by realizing that God, is, God made me a person of peace in that place. And then I started saying, okay, God, what's my gifting? How can I align it with you? How can I make a difference at Apple, a very hard place to make a difference? And I really felt the Holy Spirit told me, just sit and listen to them. Listen and wait on me. So I did. And um, it was a few months of doing that and forging friendships that things started to happen, like in the break room one day, 
the gal who came out as a homosexual who was disowned by her family and actually left the church, um, she came to me with tears and she said, Rick, you're the only one I could think of that I need right now. My mom and dad just said they want nothing to do with me and I need you to pray for me in tears. I prayed for her. I didn't sacrifice the truth, I'll tell you that much, but I prayed for her and I showed her love with God's truth. And I saw her life begin to slowly change. And I had another friend who came up to me, um, who was a Muslim, who said, who came up to me and said, you know, you're my favorite Christian because you actually show love. And I was like, wow, because I don't always get it right. But when we get it right like that, when we're in our place where God has given us influence and we begin to be a light, things begin to happen that seem unimaginable. People find Jesus, people get healed. Things can happen in the most unlikely of places that God wants to use you to be a person of peace. When you feel down, when you feel defeated, when you feel depressed or discouraged, remind yourself of your true identity in Christ. Remind yourself that God has greater things for me. I'm not gonna believe that my life is hopeless. You are an influencer for the greatest movement that the world has ever known, and that's God's kingdom. God has greater things in store for you. I know a lot of people are discouraged and depressed right now. This time of year especially, depression really creeps in. Anxiety creeps in. My prayer, my hope for you is that you'll be reminded that in that depression, in that discouragement, you'll be reminded of your true identity in Christ and it will be a light in that darkness. You'll be reminded you're not alone and you'll be able to sense the presence of Jesus right next to you. And you'll know that he's with you. You'll know that he has great things for you, that the greatness is not behind you, but it lies ahead. To not give up, to keep fighting, to keep pursuing him, even in the midst of a dark time in your life. I wanna challenge us all with something. And the challenge is this. Let's put our phones down more and pick up God's word more. Let's put our remotes down more and pick up God's word more. Let's put the substances of addiction down more and pick up God's word more. We can do it. As we put the things down that are holding us back and lift God's word up that wants to push us forward, an amazing thing will happen in our life. You will start doing greater things for God. You will be an influencer that gives out generously like God created you for. I love what Jesus says in his parting words to his disciples in Matthew 28, 19. He reminds us of the great influence, the great commission that he has for all of God's people. And he starts in verse 16 of Matthew 28. And he says, then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them still doubted. And Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am always with you even to the end of the age. This is Jesus speaking to us right now. He is with you. He has called you to be a person of influence. He has called you to make disciples. He has called you to be a world changer. He has called you to be someone who goes into your neighborhood, your family, your workplace, a coffee shop, the grocery store, wherever it is, and be someone who is transformative. 
loving and leading people to a life-changing connection with Christ. That's what we do, right? As influencers, we can do that. Amen. I want to close with this story about a man that I met about 12 years ago in Tanzania. His name is Mbasa. And we were there doing lots of fun work in the country of Tanzania for the Lord. And, um, and towards the end of our trip, we went to this beautiful location on the Serengeti where all these animals were, and it was stunning. And we were having breakfast with a man that was invited to come and sit with us and have breakfast that morning named Mbasa. And immediately when he walked up to have breakfast with us, you were a little bit shocked at what you were seeing. This was a man who had like holes and things in his arms and a few holes in his head. And he looked tough, but he was wearing this be- these beautiful colors. And he sat down and we found out right away that he was one of the most well-known Maasai chiefs in all of Tanzania. And he started telling us his story of how he became the most influential chief in this part of Africa. And when you're in this part of Africa to protect your village, to protect the homes, um, you have a chief that guards the village from lions that want to come in and destroy. A little bit of spiritual analogy there. You can see the connection. And the chief, if you kill one lion in protection of a village, you become a hero forever. He killed 40. 40. He became like a god, a legend, a superhero, protecting these villages. And his influence spread throughout this part of Tanzania, and he became someone that many people looked up to, but he did not know Jesus until one day, In his village walked a missionary, and the missionary aligned with the Holy Spirit using his gifts shared with Umbasa. Because Umbasa only knew what a great warrior was, and that's what he would respect. And the missionary came in and said these words, I can introduce you to the greatest warrior of all time, and his name is Jesus. He knew right what to say. And Umbasa said, wait, what, there's a greater warrior than me? I want to get to know who this warrior is. So it didn't take him long. Basa accepted Jesus in his life. And now this influencer in this part of Tanzania, this Maasai chief, started going to these villages to tell him about a greater warrior than him, Jesus. And people were listening. Many people found Jesus. Churches started popping up in this part of Tanzania. And he's sitting here telling us his story. And he said, but I realize that I have more influence that God wants me to use. And so I'm writing a book. And I found someone in England that wants to fund my book. And when it's funded, I'm going to go wherever God sends me around the world and use my influence as a warrior to tell people about the greatest warrior that ever lived, Jesus. And it was about a year later that he was in Orange County, California, came to the church that we were at at that time, living out the dream, the influence that God said he would do, speaking at my church to people who he never knew. And I found out that those holes in his head and in his arms were from the lions that attacked him, that he was protecting people from. You know, as an influencer, 
you get to protect people. You get to protect your place, your community from the lion that seeks to devour and destroy the enemy. You get to be an influencer for God's kingdom. Will you do it this week? Will you take that inventory and figure out what are the things influencing me most in my life right now and seeing if they're aligned with the world or with the word? We have a great opportunity at our Christmas services coming up this Friday and Saturday. It is one of the easier times for us to influence and invite people to church. And we have those little cards. If you would consider maybe taking that card, think of that place where you're a person of peace, where you can maybe invite someone to come. Maybe say, I'll go with you. I'll drive you. I'll pick you up. But would you consider this week being an influencer and seeing that as you align your gifts with the Holy Spirit, you will do greater things for God. As we close out this series on living generously, my hope is that you will live generously with your influence, that you will see that out of that you can help, you can serve, you can unselfishly make a difference in this world because that's what God has created each of you to do. Do you believe it? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the truth of your word. Thank you, God, that you've called us to be influencers, that you have created us with a plan for a, you have a plan for our lives. We're not here by accident. I pray that we'd actually believe it, God, that our identity would be forged in you, that we would know your will, Lord, because of the fact that your word influences us, that your truth is in us, God, that we can stand against this world that wants so desperately to influence us away from you. May we be generous, God, with our influence to those around us. May we unselfishly, God, show your love, give time, pray, cry, laugh with people, God, who need you. Use the church, God, to be the greatest hope in the world. Because I believe, God, there are greater things in store for each of us and greater things in store for the church in the days ahead. And Lord, maybe there's someone here today or watching online who has said, I am kind of like Umbasa. I want to get to know Jesus. I want to get to know this great man that you've been talking about. My life is lost. I'm depressed. I'm discouraged. I feel hopeless. I don't have that identity that you're talking about. I don't even know what I'm here for. I'm, I feel like I'm at the end of my rope and I just need Jesus in my life. If that is you and you're in the building right now, I would ask that you would just slip up a hand right now where you're at so we can pray for you. Yes, I see that hand right there. Keep it up. Put your hands up wherever you're at and someone's going to come and pray with you and give you a Bible. Just keep your hand up wherever you're at. Amen. And if you're at home online right now, I'm looking in the camera, just simply type in the box, I need Jesus, and someone will pray with you. I see a hand over here to my right. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to pray for those that raised their hand. And you can just, if you raised your hand, in fact, everyone can join with me, just repeat this prayer, Lord Jesus, I need you. I can't do it on my own anymore. I need you to be in my life, to be my Lord, my Savior, my hero. 
I need your influence so that I can make a difference and find purpose again. So thank you, Jesus, that you died on a cross so many years ago. You rose from the dead a few days later and that you are alive and in me now. I give my life to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We can celebrate with those that raise their hands. Thank you, Lord. My hope and prayer for you this week is that you begin to realize what greater things God has in store for each of you. God bless.